0: This is the Amnesty in Africa podcast, a place where we discuss and highlight human rights issues in Africa. I am Prudence Nyamshana. When you are a visitor in Zanzibar, a few miles away from Africa's east coast, experiencing and enjoying culture and history, the idyllic geography of white sand beaches with palms swaying lazily to the sea breeze, one cannot blame you for imagining that all oh, Zanzibaris are the happiest people in the world. But when you're passionate about human rights, you go just beyond an evening stroll at the beach. I spoke to Ismail Jusa about the state of human rights in Zanzibar. Welcome to the Amnesty in Africa podcast. I am privileged to host you.
1: Thank you very much. It's also a big honor for me.
0: Uh, how is Zanzibar today?
1: Zanzibar is cool, uh, it's like uh, the best time of the year. We call it uh, the June-July uh, weather uh, conditions, which are like uh, cold breezes, nice, no, like uh, hot climate, so it's, it's good. A mm-hmm. Lot of tourists uh, going around, yeah. a lot of Zanzibar diaspora are here, so it's good.
0: Uh, it's beautiful, the weather is beautiful. The sea is so blue. I don't know how you um, manage to Enjoy this every day. I'm so jealous that you're the people that get to enjoy this every single day.
1: True, though they've got this uh, saying that uh, normally when you are in a place you don't really appreciate uh, uh, what you have until when you miss it. So uh-huh. maybe for Zambians we take it for granted because we like uh, we were born here, we've like uh, grown up uh, seeing it every day. Sometimes we feel like it's the uh, it's our guest uh, mm. when. Uh, uh, they come here, they appreciate and, uh, and value the beauty more than ourselves. But of course, Zanzibaris uh, Zanzibar is very proud of our history, our, our, our nature, our beauty. So yes, we are really thankful to God that uh, we have got these uh, beautiful islands as, uh, as our homeland.
0: Zanzibar is an archipelago in the Indian Ocean, 16 to 31 miles off the coast of mainland Tanzania. It consists of many islands. The main islands are Unguja commonly known as Zanzibar and Pemba. Zanzibar united with Tanganyika in 1964 to form the United Republic of Tanzania. Being semi-autonomous, Zanzibar has its own administrative structure.
1: Uh, At the present, I am a member of the Central Committee of uh, ACT Wazalendo, which is now the main opposition party uh, in Zanzibar. Um,
0: What is ACT?
1: ACT is Alliance for Change and Transparency. Uh, as I said, it's the main opposition party in Zanzibar and the uh, uh, second uh, biggest opposition party in Tanzania.
0: So I would like to ask you what the state of human rights is in Zanzibar right now?
1: Well, we are still living with a trauma of what happened uh, in uh, 2020 elections and also previous uh, elections because uh, Zanzibar, unfortunately, has never been able to get through uh, with uh, violence uh, uh, during elections time, but also sometimes in between elections. It's a little bit calmer now because of the uh, understanding that was reached between our party and uh, the ruling CCM party after uh, the Bosch elections uh, uh, that took place in 2020, which which we, we don't even call them elections.
0: The ruling party Chama Chama Pinduzi has maintained a government within the aisle since independence and has never lost an election. The opposition has continually accused the government of cheating their way through elections and almost every election has resulted in post-election violence. A report by Journalists for Justice and Saudi Kubwa write the wrong spotlight on the 2020 general election in Tanzania documents how Ahmad Veikos. Patrolled the streets with security forces, including the Tanzania Police Force, the Tanzania People's Defence Forces, Zanzibar Special Forces, and alleged militia and vigilante groups. Reportedly, shot and killed several civilians.
1: I was a candidate myself, and. uh... Uh, Even the candidates were not allowed to witness the counting of the votes, let alone the tallying and the announcement of the results. Uh, It was just what the state decided would be the official results, were just given to the electoral commission and they announced. Uh, But uh, uh, we had no other way but uh, to agree to go back to the government of national unity, which was something that was agreed way back in 2009. And I'm happy and honored that I was party to that. And uh, the purpose of joining was like to try to influence the situation so that uh, things can be better. But we are still living with those scars and uh, there are a lot uh, that needs to be done. The the impunity is still there. No action has been taken against those people who are responsible for the killings of 21 people, 17 in Pemba and four in Unguja. Uh, No compensation has been given to the victims of uh, those uh, serious human rights violation, including the killings, uh, uh, injuries, and the maiming of of people. So that's the situation. But at least uh, there is kind of uh, initial stages of a dialogue that is aimed at uh, trying to rectify what uh, took place in 2020 and before that.
0: Um, You were one of the people that were victimized by security forces during elections. Would you like to tell us the story if it does not trigger um, any um, bad memories or...?
1: Not at all. Uh, I think it needs to be told so that uh, uh, those who are responsible uh, get to know what they did, but also to try to serve as a lesson not to repeat those uh, things. Though I must admit that what happened to me maybe is... uh, Nothing compared to those people who lost their lives. As I said uh, earlier, that uh, 21 people got killed here. 17 in Pemba and 4 in the main island of uh, Unguja. But uh, what happened to, uh, to me and, uh, and uh, my colleagues, including at that time our party leader, uh, the late Malim Sef Sharif Hamad, who passed uh, uh, away last year, is that uh, we were not uh, uh, satisfied with the way the so-called elections were conducted. And it was obvious uh, the way the results were being announced that they were nowhere near the reality of what uh, uh, the voters had uh, decided uh, at the ballot box. So we decided uh, to stage a protest, a peaceful protest, uh, and it was something that we announced earlier during the election campaign. That uh, if we think and we see that uh, the results will be uh, not properly conducted, we will not agree with that. So we staged a peaceful protest. And when we were just at the initial stages of like uh, uh, moving from our party, uh, main offices in Stone Town uh, in Zanzibar, to go to a place called Michenzani Roundabout, where we asked our people to assemble. We were stopped by the police at uh, uh, Mkunazini uh, traffic light uh, junction. Uh, And then we were beaten there, though not heavily, uh, pushed into the uh, police cars and taken to Mwembe Madema uh, police regional headquarters uh, uh, for urban uh, west region. And it is there that uh, uh, I witnessed the nightmare because we were all beaten heavily, but I was almost uh, uh, hand-picked to be given what they say like as a lesson so that we don't do what we were doing before, giving trouble to the government. So I was pushed from the car, which was like a big lorry. I fell down, that caused the serious injuries on my leg. And then while I couldn't even stand, because uh, it was obvious that I had serious fractures, they started beating me from outside while uh, pushing me towards the uh, police uh, headquarters for urban west region, Mwembe Madema. And inside, I could hear them say like, bring that person, Jusa. We want to serve him a lesson so that he can no longer continue with what he's doing. And uh, I was beaten heavily, actually, with uh, uh, not just uh, clubs, but also they had like, uh, it was obvious like they had some kind of like uh, iron fist that were like uh, covered with like uh, water pipes. Mm-hmm. And I was beaten so heavily that I even lost uh, conscience. So I had like a broken leg, but also I had like a broken shoulder, uh, which like necessitated for me to be taken to Nairobi uh, to, to be given treatment. So I had gone through. Uh, two major surgeries, uh, and the result is what you see today. And thanks also to Amnesty International that uh, uh, helped so much in uh, trying to get me out of here and to try to facilitate uh, for my treatment. But as you can see, to this date, I'm still limping when I walk because of that uh, injury that I went through during that time.
0: Thank you for sharing with us your experience. And your experience is just one in many that were documented in the the wrongs report. Would you like to speak to that report and why it was important that that report had to be written?
1: Well, first of all, I commend those who are responsible uh, for for that project uh, because uh, as I said earlier, if these things are not documented, if these things are not exposed, uh, 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 they lead to uh, the culture of impunity. That people think they can uh, like commit all these atrocities and get away uh, with that. So the importance of the report is that uh, first of all, it helped to like document and those things will remain forever uh, for, for the people of this generation and the next generations to see what we went through. But also I think uh, it is important also in uh, getting it uh, uh, to the attention of uh, the authorities both in Zanzibar and in Tanzania and to the international community so that those um, uh, very, uh, very uh, useful and uh, well thought recommendation that I in the report uh, will be implemented. We believe that uh, in the ongoing process that is aimed at uh, trying to give a redress to what happened in both mainland Tanzania and in Zanzibar through the efforts that are being done by the President, President Samir Sulu Hassan, the presidential task force that she has uh, formed that is trying to uh, gather views on how to uh, improve the democratic space in both mainland and Zanzibar. And now, of course, there's also a similar process that is uh, about to start in Zanzibar. We believe it's the report like Right the Wrongs and others, including those that were given earlier by Amnesty International, would help to highlight what happened and uh, what needs to be done so that in the future, we don't see a repetition of such kind of uh, uh, atrocities against innocent citizens in our country.
0: Um, How can Africans, uh, East Africans especially, collaborate in speaking out on these atrocities because what was happening in Tanzania was under a cloud and it's until these reports came out that we started seeing what actually happened in 2020, even when it was too late. Uh, sort of to let how can there be a collaboration between African countries that these regional um, bodies that are being formed, but how do we create synergies among human rights defenders, among uh, social change movements to ensure that we hold uh, governments accountable during these periods? Some, some sort of solidarity, how do we build solidarity. Okay.
1: I think uh, the last word that you used uh, is the key word, solidarity. Uh, It is when you go through these atrocities that uh, uh, you get to value the importance of people speaking out for you when you cannot speak for yourselves, or maybe you are in a condition that you cannot uh, uh, get uh, the the access uh, to organizations, to media, to be able to speak out. Some of us uh, determined uh, to like, speak out even when we were at the hospital beds here, uh, when things were really bad and uh, uh, you could still be maybe further uh, victimized. But still, uh, we spoke out uh, with the media, including international media that were here. But it is important, as you said, I think it's, it's a, it has been a common factor in Africa to see that uh, those people who are in power always collaborate with each other to try to support uh, uh, themselves and uh, to support each other and to try to sustain uh, and maintain the authoritarian and dictatorial regimes that uh, they uh, are like uh, presiding over. We have seen that actually, for example, in our own region here, the SADC region, the South Africa Development Community, there are these uh, so-called liberation movements, uh, the party that uh, uh, toppled colonialism. They think it is their God-given right to continue to rule, even when they've lost uh, the support of the, of the people. So when they are meeting, or for example, at African Union level, at East African community, it is also equally important for those who are not in power, be it the political parties, the democratic forces, human rights organisations, uh, human rights defenders, uh, groups like uh, what you mentioned earlier, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, uh, and other groups are, that are regional and, 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 and local media people, I think it is equally important for them to come together to do this kind of program. And I think if there's one good example is what happened in Tanzania in 2020, that uh, when the government didn't invite uh, international observers and, or international monitors for the elections, it was East Africans who assembled a team based in Nairobi to watch it from afar, but still to continue to report on what was happening in Tanzania and later to produce a report equally for the Right the Wrongs uh, uh, project that uh, when maybe Tanzanian organization could not do it openly, uh, East African uh, brothers and sisters uh, through the organization could come up together and uh, initiate such a program. So I think it is important uh, that uh, this kind of uh, initiative should continue and maybe we should work out means and ways to further maybe institutionalize it uh, and uh, formalize it so that actually it is known that uh, when one of our countries Go through peers that are known uh, to be uh, associated with uh, human rights violations or like uh, electoral malpractices. It is important that the neighbors come together and try to put uh, a mechanism to monitor what is happening and to report so that they world know. And the last one I think is uh, to use a, a mechanism like, for example, the uh, Geneva uh, United Nations Office for Human Rights. Uh, and those like uh, periodical uh, hearing of uh, uh, human rights violation or human rights report in a given country. It is important for these regional organizations to go there and uh, uh, submit the reports, provide evidence and serve as a witness to what happened in countries like, uh, not maybe at that time, maybe not capable to be able to do the same.
0: What is the future of human rights in Zanzibar? What I, do you dream of? Yes, there's a future that your envision, but also what is your dream? What is your, the ideal that you, you want?
1: Well, from the time I got associated with the uh, pro-democracy and human rights uh, movement uh, uh, in uh, late 1980s, before multi-party system was introduced here and I was a student. My dream was to see a Zanzibar that is uh, democratic, uh, that respects human rights, that is uh, observing the rule of law, that we'll see like uh, citizens are free uh, to express their views, because we are a republic, we are not uh, a monarchy. And the republic is is supposed uh, to belong to the citizens. Uh, And our constitutions, both the Union and Zanzibar Constitution, say so, that uh, uh, the sovereignty belongs to the people. And those who are in positions of power, are supposed to serve the people, not for them to be the masters of the, of the people. So one of my dreams is to realize that uh, uh, dream that is contained in our Constitution, that it shouldn't be just left in words, uh, in uh, nice constitutional provisions, but it should be a reality in which every Zanzibari will be living and will be enjoying those rights that are enshrined in our Constitution. And that uh, they should be the masters and the politician should be the servants of the people, not to see themselves as the owner of the people who think they can do whatever they want, including killing or maiming them. So I think I aspire to see a democratic Zanzibar that respects rule of law and also respect the fundamental rights and freedom of our people.
0: Any parting thoughts? Sorry? Any parting thoughts?
1: Well, I would say like I, I welcome this initiative that uh, you have made and uh, I hope that uh, This will not be the end. I hope this will be just the beginning of further collaboration, not just uh, uh, for us who are in in Tanzania, but for every one of the countries that are part of this uh, bigger project. I think we should come together, as I said earlier, uh, as much as the rulers come together to share experience on how to suppress us maybe, we should equally come up uh, together and share experiences and uh, formulate uh, ideas about how to, like, uh, resist uh, these uh, uh, deterioration of human rights and democratic uh, uh, space in our countries.
0: Um, so uh, part of this is also to highlight, and this is a light question is uh, what is your favorite Zanzibari music that we should uh, play for our audience?
1: <laughs> you can be sure it is Tarab. you know Tarab is the uh, traditional uh, music of Zanzibar. It is also one of the many identities that uh, uh, Zanzibar has whenever, when he is tarab, uh, uh, they always associate with uh, the coast of East Africa, but uh, specifically Zanzibar. So, of course, I'm a great fan of tarab music. Any
0: one particular song?
1: Well, I love the old songs of City uh, Bitsad. So, for example, if you can play the one that has been done by the late Bikelude, that is called Bayadai. It's one of the, my, my favorite songs. Uh, from the old uh, collection of Tarab music. Well, Suhubayadai is uh, one of the, you know, Tarab is really made up of like love songs. Uh, That's the main uh, character of many of the Tarab songs. And uh, it's very refreshing. And when you are in a state of like uh, depression or when you go through stress, Tarab can be very refreshing. So even when I was recovering in Nairobi after my surgeries, uh, when I was at uh, Swiss Lenana Hotel in Nairobi, uh, every morning after giving shower because I couldn't even take shower uh, by myself, I had two friends who accompanied me there and maybe I should mention them because they are so uh, I cannot pay back uh, what they did to me. One is uh, Eddie Calypso and another uh, is uh, Suleiman Mauli. So after they like uh, give me a shower, give me a breakfast, the first thing I'll do is like open this uh, song, "Suhu Bayadai," by Bikidude, the famous uh, late Bikidude. Uh, and play it loudly and I could uh, feel like uh, getting new energy uh, and maybe try to uh, pass through that stage that I went through with all that uh, 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 nightmare that I saw through the beatings uh, that uh, uh, were given to me on the 29th of October.
0: And that is the power of music. Exactly. Thank you. Asante san. From Zanzibar, we fly back to the East African landlocked country of Uganda, where we shall speak to a human rights lawyer about the state of freedom of expression in Uganda. Rights
1: groups and the international
0: community are raising alarm over the human rights situation in Uganda, raising attention to what they call recurring credible accounts of arbitrary arrests. There is no humane way to rule people against their will. You have been listening to the Amnesty in Africa podcast. Please tell your friends about us. To learn more about the work of Amnesty, visit our website, amnesty.org. This podcast is produced by Eric Mwine Mugaju and edited by Sarah Kimani. I am Prudence Nyamshana. Bye for now.